Good morning. It's good to see all of you. You look good out there. We extend a special welcome to those who are visiting with us today. We're glad you're here and hope that this time of worship will be meaningful for you. And if you're looking for our church home, we invite you to get to know us here at Memorial and consider uniting with our fellowship. I've got several announcements. Let me share those with you. <clears throat> if any of you have a particular concern or joy that you want mentioned in today's prayer, please raise your hand at this time and an usher will bring you a card. And when you're finished with that, you can raise your hand and they'll be received or just pass the card to the end of the row. The rose on the altar table this morning is in honor of Camden Michael Howard, born December 19. He's the son of Ryan and Megan Howard and brother of big sister Mason and is the grandson of Tom and Marianne Cathiotu. So we welcome Cam. I have a reminder for the members of the administrative board. The board will meet following this service at 11 o'clock. So you are encouraged to remain for that meeting. The monthly Wednesday supper will be this coming Wednesday. That's January the 2nd. They'll be starting at 5.30 p.m. The details are found in the bulletin and in the newsletter. And here's an announcement about the safe sanctuaries. Those with safe sanctuary applications need to turn those in as soon as possible to Katie Jeter or Marsha Mays. The kids, our Sunday night programs resume next Sunday, that's the 6th, with a Polar Bear Express uh, party. Handbells will practice in the second and third grade Sunday school classroom at five. And then the Polar Bear Express party is from 5.30 to seven in the regular Sunday night classroom. So I hope to see you there. I think we, I think that just about concludes the announcements. I um, have been told Jane Rhodes has an announcement about pictorial directory. So Jane, if you'll come and make that announcement now. I wanted to give all of you an update of where we are in the process of getting a pictorial directory out to the congregation. We finished our uh, portrait sessions the 1st of November. From then until this morning, I saw Adam taking a picture. We have been taking candid pictures that we can use throughout the directory to show all the different groups and of all ages that show what we do at our church, the services that we provide, the faith and worship that we have together. We have one more job well, two more. You have one more, and we have one more. 
we want to have a directory where at the end of it we'll have all the names and addresses of people who are members of this church or who attend regularly at this church. We have that and we want to make sure that we have all names, telephone numbers, addresses correct. Plus we would like to add email addresses. Next Sunday and January 13th we will have a table outside of the Family Life Center and in the narthex for you to check your address, make sure it is there, if not add it. Add your email because that is a really good thing for our church office to have and for Pastor Joseph to have. He has um, requested that because he says getting in contact with people that way is a really fast and easy way to make sure all the things he wants to tell people are out there. Once that is done, but during that time also, we will be putting the book together. What that means is that we have eight pages to use to put our candid shots on there and specific pages for other things. And our committee, who have worked tirely, tirelessly throughout this process, will be doing that in the next two weeks. Our hope is to have the book to the printer by January 15th. They tell us as soon as they get all of our material, they will have it back to us within three weeks. So our goal is for you to have it in hand by the middle of February or toward the end of February. Every person or family who had their picture done for the directory will receive a copy of the directory free. We're going to order some extra ones so that for new families coming in, we can give that to them and they can get to learn us better and quicker um, that way. If you have any questions, um, I'll be glad to answer them after the worship service, or you can just call me. Uh, we've tried to do everything that we thought necessary to make it a uh, directory that would be enjoyable, beneficial, and helpful to all of our congregation. Thank you for your cooperation, and thank you for your patience as we work through this process. One other announcement. We are pleased to have with us as a guest band today, Anointed Harmony. We want to thank them for coming and leading in our worship uh, and the music. They have not asked for an honorarium, but we do want to express our thanks to them. So a basket has been placed on the table back there for you to put a love offering in as you leave today. The band also has made some CDs and some of those are back there also will be available for you to purchase. Let us now begin our worship. Good morning. It is a joy for us to be here with you, to worship with you. We'd like to invite you to stand and sing with us if you know the words to Somebody Loves Me. They'll be up on the screen for your convenience. We'll sing together. That somebody is Jesus And I know he's mine I'm in love with my Savior and he's in love with me He's with me from day to day, what a friend is he, watches over me while I sleep. 
sleep, hears me when I pray. I'm as happy as I can be, and I now can say, somebody loves me, answers my prayers. I love somebody, I know he cares. Somebody tells me not to repine, that somebody is Jesus, and I know he's mine. Then at last when our work is done, he will call us home. To imagine he has prepared never more to roam. We'll sit down by the riverside, cares all passed away. And with never a pain to bear, what a happy day. Somebody loves me, answers my prayers. I love somebody, I know he cares. Somebody tells me not to repine. That somebody is Jesus and I know he's mine. Somebody loves me, answers my prayers. I love somebody, I know he cares. Somebody tells me not to repine. That somebody is Jesus and I know he's mine. That somebody is Jesus. said we are anointed harmony and we are glad to be here with you today we hate it that kelly is not here kelly and i graduated high school together and she called and asked if we could come and then told me she wasn't going to be here <laughs> so, but uh, we are glad that we can be here to worship with you today we do want to take just a second to introduce ourselves to you and then we'll continue to worship um this is kind of a new setup for us we used to all being right together so way back there on the keyboard <laughs> is missy knight and um to her right is her dad, Wick D. Young, and then to my left is my mother, Suzanne Burr, and I am Jennifer Evans, and we make up Anointed Harmony, and we are so glad again to be here. Um, we'd like to encourage you to, to listen to the words that we're, the song we're going to share with you entitled, If You Knew Him. If you felt 
to be in your house, Father, to worship you and to learn more about you. God, as we continue on with this service, as our children come for the children's sermon, Lord, I pray, God, that you will just continue to move. Speak through the pastor as he comes to speak. And Lord, we just give you this time of worship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask the children to come forward now as Miss Katie comes to lead us. quiet this morning. I have a question. Have you ever been shopping or out running errands in a store with your parents and heard an announcement that sounded like this? Attention shoppers, we are looking for a six-year-old child who is lost. His name is John and he is wearing blue jeans and a red shirt. If you find John, please bring him to the customer service center. Have you ever heard anything like that in the mall or while you're out and about? Has it ever happened to you? No? Well, I have heard announcements like that before. Um, and I wondered, how do you think that child got lost? What do you think happened? Sarah? You might be right. He might not have been paying attention. Or maybe if the mom and dad were there with John, maybe the dad thought that John was with the mom, and the mom thought... John was with the dad. I think somebody could have just gotten confused like that. Okay, well, how do you think in that situation that the parents felt if they didn't know where John was? Lauren? Scared, yeah. What were you going to say? Really bad because they lost their kid. Yeah, they probably felt terrible. They were scared. How do you think John felt? Yeah, probably so. I would think so, too. Well, do you think that Jesus ever got lost? No? Some no's and some yes's. Well, 
we do know um, one Bible story. We don't know a lot about the childhood of Jesus, but we do know one Bible story um, that tells us about Jesus as a child. And it tells us about a time and a day when Jesus became lost. Every year, um, Jesus' parents would go to Jerusalem for a festival called the Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went to this festival like they always do. And when it was over, bless you, Joseph and Mary started back home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And at first, his parents didn't miss him because they were all traveling just like they always do, probably in a group. And they didn't realize that he wasn't around. They could have thought that he was with friends or traveling in front of them or behind them. But they didn't notice, and they got all the way home. Well, when that night came, and they still realized that they didn't know where he was and that he wasn't around and at home with them, they got scared and worried. So they looked among their friends that had gone with them, and still Jesus was nowhere to be found. So when they couldn't find him, what do you think they did? You're exactly right. They went all the way back to Jerusalem and started searching for him. Do you know how long they searched? It was not easy. How many days, Blake? Three days. That seems like such a long time. And do you know where he was when they finally found him, Lauren? That's right. He was in the temple. He was sitting among the religious leaders there, and he was listening to them. They were listening to him and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at how much he knew, because he was only 12 years old, right? Well, as you can imagine, when Mary and Joseph found them, found him, were they excited to be reunited? Yes, and they were so thankful. But you know what? They might have been a little upset, too, because they went for so long without knowing where he was. Mary said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I were so worried, and we searched for you everywhere. And do you know what Jesus asked them? He said, why did you search for me? Didn't you know that I would be doing my father's business? So whose business was he taking care of in that temple? God's. You're exactly right. So I think as we hear this Bible story today that we can remember that sometimes we leave Jesus behind too. We don't always remember to take him with us in our hearts everywhere we go, do we? We mess up sometimes. We might leave him behind kind of like he's lost. So we can use this Bible story today as a reminder that no matter where we go and what we're doing, who do we need to take with us? That's right. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes and repeat after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your son. Help us to keep him at the center of our lives and to never leave him behind. Amen. Let us now go to the Lord in prayer.
Almighty God, you have been merciful to us in times past. And so as we come to the end of another year, we pray that you will continue to be merciful to us in the time ahead. Grant that we may continue to grow in grace and to grow in the knowledge of your Son, our Lord. When we feel weak, help us to rely on your strength. And amid the changes of time, prompt us to rest on your unchanging love. <clears throat> we pray today for the concerns that have been expressed for our granddaughter as she travels in the coming week, for Rusty Littlefield in his fight with cancer. We pray for a five-week-old baby at Greenville Memorial with respiratory problems. We pray for the youth and young adults that they may continue to draw closer to God. And we pray for Mrs. Pinson, who is in a nursing home. We pray for Bobby Nicholson as she begins chemotherapy on Wednesday. We pray for healing for Nate Henson, who's in the hospital. And we pray for Dr. T.O. Walker and his family as he recovers from a massive heart attack and open heart surgery. <clears throat> Gracious God, increase our faith with each passing day. And by the help of your spirit, may we be more devoted to you and more consistent in our daily living. We make this prayer in the name of Christ our Lord, who taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. <clears throat> well, here we are gathered for worship on December the 30th. On the Christian liturgical calendar, we are in the season of Christmastide, the 12 days between Christmas Day December the 25th, and Epiphany, January the 6th. It's the time when we focus on the mystery and the meaning of the incarnation, God coming in human form. On the other hand, on the secular calendar, the cultural celebrations of Christmas are behind us, and now our attention is um, tomorrow and the next day, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Many of us look forward to New Year's holiday. It's 
a kind of turning the page, a new start, putting away old calendars, getting new calendars, perhaps making resolutions, perhaps deciding to make some changes. So here we are on December the 30th, reflecting on incarnate love and on the coming of a new year. The reading from the Bible today is a brief passage in the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Rome, and it describes new life in Christ. It's the first two verses in the 12th chapter of Romans, and I'm going to ask us to read that together. Let us join together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. <coughs> Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Charles Dickens is regarded as one of the greatest English novelists of the 19th century and perhaps the most popular uh, writer of his time. In his books, he exposed the injustices and social wrongs that existed in England during the 1800s. He had a great concern for people who are poor, for people who are oppressed, for people who endure suffering. And it was his compassion for people that motivated much of his writing. Perhaps the best known work of Dickens is his story entitled A Christmas Carol. Like so many of Dickens' other writings, A Christmas Carol is about the problem of human beings who don't have the means to overcome their physical predicaments. People like Tiny Tim. And it's also about other people, people who have the means to make a difference, but who do not understand or do not care and hence do not respond. People like Ebenezer Scrooge. Well, what is it about A Christmas Carol that has made it one of the world's favorite stories? Is it because it appeals to our kinder nature and causes us to feel empathy for the poor? Well, perhaps. Is it because the stories 
portrayal of social inequalities leads us to call out for justice? Well, maybe. Is it because of people like Scrooge's nephew, Fred, who finds reasons to be merry and optimistic in spite of poverty and health concerns? Well, again, perhaps. But I want to suggest to you that the most appealing thing about Dickens' Christmas Carol is the belief in hope. Belief in hope. There certainly is a need for hope. The words and actions of many people border on despair and hopelessness. Someone has suggested that if the Apostle Paul today were writing the 13th chapter of that New Testament letter of 1 Corinthians, he might change his trilogy of faith, hope, and love and have it read, and the greatest of these is hope. Well, I'm not so sure Paul would do that, but there are good reasons to speculate that he would. Show me a person without hope, and I'll show you a person without faith. For why believe if everything ends in nothing? And show me a person without hope, and I'll show you a person without love. For why, why care, why be concerned if the future is empty and there's nothing for which to strive? We can live very well without a lot of things, but hope is not one of them. Well, what is it in particular about Dickens' Christmas Carol that offers hope? If you remember the story, Ebenezer Scrooge had a dream a dream of Christmases past and present and future. Scrooge was not comforted by the message of Scripture, of Christmas, nor was he inspired by the message of Christmas. Instead, Scrooge was transformed by the message of Christmas. He was changed, radically changed. And that is why the story gives us such hope. For here is one who was confronted with the message of Christmas, one who was confronted with the fact of his own selfishness, one who was confronted with his lack of concern for others, and yet one who then experienced a remarkable, dramatic turnabout. 
Dickens has tried to convince us that we human beings can change. We don't have to always be the way we are now. That should not surprise those of us who are longtime Methodists. Part of our United Methodist heritage is belief in conversion. We believe people can and do change. In fact, many of us have witnessed it. Is there not just a little bit of Scrooge in each of us? Aren't there times when we trust in things more than we trust in God? Aren't there times when we seek recognition or status or power rather than living the life of a servant? Aren't there times when we go along with what friends say and do, even if that degrades other people? Well, even into our lives, the good news of God's forgiving love can come. Can come in new ways and offer hope for change. The source of our hope, of course, is Jesus Christ, who came to guide us and to save us. None of us is too far from the transforming love of God. All of us can be changed into the kind of people we were meant to be, a good friend, a good parent, a good boss, a good employee, a good neighbor. We are ordinary people, but we can be powerful instruments to help bring God's kingdom here on earth. Whether that means caring for the hungry or combating racism or visiting those in prison, or being good stewards of the earth, or raising children with a keen sense of peace with justice. An author by the name of Wilfred Peterson has written about this great potential that is in each of us for Christian service. And I want to quote a short page from one of his writings. Let me quote. One December day, as I browsed in a secondhand store with my artist friend, he discovered on a shelf a battered old figurine. Beneath the tarnish and the soot, his practice eye saw something mine did not. And in spite of my lack of enthusiasm, he purchased it and carried it home. Down in his basement workshop, 
my friend began the work of restoring the statuette. And as he cleaned and sanded and glued, to my astonished eyes appeared the graceful form of an angel. He painted the flowing robes glistening white. Then with a new brush he added strokes of gold. And as I watched the long hidden beauty emerge, I thought that I was seeing in miniature what happens to us too at this time of year. Just as the statuette had become tarnished and dusty through neglect, so too our hopes, dreams, and ideals become dust-covered with thoughts of discouragement and defeat. Christmas is a time when God calls us to renew our ideals, to make them shine again with new meaning. Christmas is the time when with the eyes of his love, God sees us as we were made to be. And from the dirt and clutter of the year, God calls forth the angel within. End of quote. So there's good news. No matter how tarnished we may be by selfishness or fears or worries or grudges or whatever it may be, there is an angel within that can be called forth. On this day when we Think back on Christmas and look to the new year. Let us ask God to renew us. Renew us to be faithful followers of Christ. Amen and amen. Let us affirm our faith using the words on the screen. Let me ask you to stand. Let us unite our hearts and voices as we say together, we are not alone. We believe in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others. By the Spirit, we trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. Life and death and life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. With grateful hearts, let us now give our tithes and our offerings.
ask you to stand and sing with us our closing song, He Leadeth Me. Let us go now in the spirit of Christ, sharing his love with a world in need. Amen.